This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Good morning. You're listening to Raise Your Game here on BFM 89.9, The Business Station, and I'm Lily Chai. So we can all agree that the skills some jobs required 10 years ago are now completely different. And this inevitably leads us to talk about how to future-proof your skills and business. Upskilling is vital. Now, we all know what upskilling is. And if you didn't know already, then we have covered covered it a few times on our shows on Enterprise. But there's something called shifting skills for the future workforce. Now, what does shifting skills entail? How does it relate to upskilling? And how can it help us to prepare for the future? I'm here to discuss this with Ang Hui Ming. She is the co-founder and growth and strategic initiatives leader at Leadernomics. So welcome to the show, Hui Ming. Thank you, Lily. Good morning. Tell me what does the term shifting skills mean and how you see this happen in the workings as a leader at Leadernomics? Yeah, so, so Lily, I think you mentioned it correctly earlier, right? You said that, you know, you've heard several times this term called future skills, um, which is the forecasted predicted skill sets for the future of the workforce, right? Now, the term shifting skills, um, it's, it's really the study and the analysis of how each skill uh, that forms the basic building blocks of a job is either has been repositioned or will be repositioned in the future, right? So it's like a situation, you know, whereby the person in the role may be the same, the job title sounds the same, okay? Mm. But the skill sets that's required for it could look totally different in either a matter of a few years or today, even as short as a few months, depending on like what disruption happens, right? We can take, for example, right? you can explore this with me. Um, you know, your role, your role as a radio producer or a presenter, mm. can, can you think of maybe a skill set, you know, that was really needed in a very small, minute scale five years ago, Right. It's like a, by the way, nice to have skill set. But today, it's taken over like a main skill. Mm. Do you think of something like that? I think it's actually uh, social media presence, right? So usually last time, Mm. I guess five years ago, it wasn't that Mm. prominent. But right after the pandemic, everyone was on their Mm. phones. And we needed to be at the forefront, at the front page Mm. of everyone's social media. So we're kind of, we needed to pivot and Mm. add that kind of skill set onto, we're we're not, we're not, uh, we're we're camera shy people, (laughs) right? We are not used to uh, be in front of cameras. uh, and, And this is something that we actually had to learn to be comfortable with. So I guess that is actually quite a main skill right nice. now. Yeah. yeah. So it was required, like it was like a, those who have it last time or like influencer, yeah. but today you are, it's like a must to have, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and, and could you also think maybe of a skill set that um, maybe in five years ago, it was like really needed, but today it's not so much needed and slowly diminishing in, in the role of the radio producer and a presenter. Hmm. I guess a lot of times we require brainstorming together as a team, right? Mm. But because of many reasons, like some people work from home and because of, you know, again, the pandemic, right? It's shifted so many, so many ways that we work. And now because of chat GPT, you can actually... <laughs> so uh, solo, right? <laughs> yeah, you can do it solo. You can brainstorm yes, it with yes. chat GPT, right? So I guess that's actually some one of the, the most mm. recent times. Yeah, that is a skill, I guess, that has kind of taken over by okay. technology. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, so then the first question was like, what was the skill that's changed from intensity to what is really needed today and something that has deprioritized, right? Mm-hmm. So that's like whatever you the answers you gave just now basically describes one category of the shifting skills. And it depicts the changes in the demand for that certain skill. Um, and it, it changes like what's the intensity, whether it's intensifying a certain particular skill set in the future or whether it's going to be deprioritized in the, in the future. So that's kind of one category of it. And, and if I were to just ask you very quickly, I think you may have answered that also. Can you think of a skill that wasn't even existing, not even an ask in the job of a radio producer or presenter in the past, but today it's a basic skill that is required for anyone that comes, comes on the road? Being digitally savvy, that is so important. Mm-hmm. Even having like interviews and like this, right? interviews, you, you must know how to do it. You must know how to host an interview online. Mm-hmm. And that has become a basic skill. Yeah, yeah. And, and whatever you just gave it, that is the example of the second category of shifting skills, mm-hmm. where there is a demand for these new skills that never existed in the past, mainly due to either technological advancement, society, or even just customer preference advancements, right? And, and this is... Like what you say, it's a skill that requires someone to shift from something they were totally, well, maybe something that you were familiar with in the past, but now you have to totally learn a new set of skills that mm. you are totally not familiar and it's a new territory for you. Mm. So that's two different ones. One is the intensity of the skill that shifted. The other one is a totally shift of a new skill. Mm. Right. Can you tell us the difference between upskilling and skill shifting? I will say that um, it's different terminologies, but skill shifting is just analyzing how much a skill has shifted and then the upskilling comes in. So if we know the intensity of the skill shift, then you know what, what area to actually upskill people in, mm. right? It's, it's either upskill or reskill. So if it's a shift to a totally new skill, then it's not about upskilling, it's really a reskilling. Mm. Yeah. But uh, I guess it, because of the pandemic, we're forced, again, we're forced to pivot, especially when mm. it comes to our skills, to adapt digitally, right, as you mentioned. And the need to change and progress in a company has always been there, right? This yeah. is not like a new thing because last time it used to be, I guess, no computers were in place and mm. then suddenly people have to learn how to uh, adapt to using computers. But why mm. are so many people talking about it now? <laughs> so, um, so like I say, it's nothing new. We always have to keep learning new skills continuously. I think the, why why there's so much talk and so much focus on on upskilling, reskilling, shifting skills is because of the pace and the speed of change uh, that we are experiencing today, and 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 that that's why you know things that we could learn, assist a skill set in the past, you can take five to seven years to master a skill. Today, you probably take three to six months and there's an expectation of people to actually really learn a new skill and be good at it already. If you think about the past, right, it, in the past, it said Industrial Revolution 1, Industrial Revolution 2, hmm. there was a time frame and a runway of about 95 to 105 years for people to learn a new skill. Hmm. It took that, that amount of time for, for people to turn from manual labor to um, using machines and new forms of transportation. And that's, we're talking only about just technical skill shift. Now, the third industrial revolution and where we are today, the fourth industrial revolution, right, with the introduction of computers, uh, the household computers, you know, the household computers, it took 50 to 60 years for people to just totally change what they were doing from manual to, to digital. And then with the introduction of internet, um, uh, renewable energy and all the sources, Today, we are talking about uh, the shift of 
information and transactions happening within the span of minutes and seconds, right? And the fourth industrial revolution only gave us like a 20-year runway mm. to upskill, to learn all these skills and all these skills shift happen within that short span of time. And, and the pace and the speed has increased so much, but not just in technical skills shift, but we are also asked to shift skills in the area of functional skills, in the area of cognitive skills mm. and leadership skills. So it's an amalgamation, right, of like four different major domains that we have to shift our skills in. Hmm. I, I'm just saying that the mass, the, the mass amount of weight that we have, you know, yeah. would we be even surprised that there's so many mental and health issues that's arising hmm. because there's just so much shift required from humans. And, you know, sometimes it's it's what's the limit that you can take. Hmm. I actually do want to talk about that later. Um, but you, you talk about, you know, people 20 years ago, they needed like five to seven years immersed or something. And because now information is so accessible, right? We are expected to get things and learn things very quickly. Mm-hmm. And technically, I guess we're becoming a jack of all, th- all, all trades, right? But uh, do yes. you think this is a bad thing? Hmm. Um, I think there, has, there should be a balance. I think there should be a balance. I, I would say that, and again, it goes back to also humans, uh, your preferences, right? Some people, that's why in, in, in HR, we say that some people are technically, are going to be technical experts and some are going to be, we call in leadership and management. Yep. So a jack of all trades kind of a expectation will probably be people who want to go and explore and to become leadership leaders and management where you actually need to have a very holistic view of many, many different aspects um, to be able to thrive. Whereas if your focus is also to be just a specialist, I would say that that jack of all trades thing may not be such a big ask. Mm. Rather, it will be go really deep and be a check of one trait but in many many areas of specialization within that trait mm. so it's you still have to have a multiple um, mixture of skill sets however the breadth of skill sets will be probably less required in a very specialist role whereas if you go into leadership and management um, or become an entrepreneur tend to ask of you to be very very broadly skilled is going to be a necessity Okay, yeah. so it's how you look at it. I, I would say that it's not bad to be a general autrice, but whether you can cope mm. with that as you know your own personal make Right. Okay, I do want to talk about you know what skills are we looking at that uh, require skill shifts, right? And uh, what are the prominent sectors that will require this? But it's time for us to head into some messages. But don't go anywhere. I'm here with Ang Hui Ming. She is the co-founder and growth and strategic initiatives leader at Leadernomics to talk to us about what shifting skills is for the future workforce. Do stay with us here on BFM 89.9. Big Friendly Macha, BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Welcome back. You're listening to Raise Your Game here on BFM 89.9, The Business Station. I'm Lily Chai. We are talking about skill shifting today. Like what does it entail and how does this relate to upskilling for future-proving our workforce and your business? I'm here to uncover this with Ang Hui Ming. She is the co-founder and growth and strategic initiatives leader at Leadernomics. So before the break, she talked to us about, you know, what is shifting skills and uh, why are people talking about it now? Is it a good a 
or bad thing. Now, I want to ask you, right, what skills are we looking at that require uh, skill shifts, right? And which skills are the most affected by the changing demands beside the digital side of things? Hmm, interesting that you say besides the digital side of things, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I think your first question really, you know, what what skills uh, is predicted to have the, the big shifts or what what has shifted a lot and what is to come? Um, there was a research that was done by the McKinsey uh, Global Institute that looked at uh, uh, what kinds of jobs would be lost, what kinds of jobs would be created with automation, AI, robotics and all that. And there were four broad general essential skills shifts uh, that would that's forecasted to increase, right? Um, like the first one you mentioned, besides digital skills, but the first category obviously is that the need for digital literacy skills, um, especially in non-digital jobs, is going to increase tremendously. Mm-hmm. You know, skills like, you know, in your role uh, in the radio industry, the service industry roles, in business, in media, in medical, in healthcare, in arts, that didn't require digital literacy skills is going to increase the need for that skill set in future. Um, the second category of skills that's really going to increase is the need for cognitive leadership and interpersonal skills. And this will exist both in digital functions and non-digital jobs. Yeah. Mm. The third category is actually the need for audio, visual communication, content creation skills. Um, and for this, you know, you, you'll be you would definitely know that things, apps and software like Canva, Visume, Picto Charts and Snapper, mm-hmm. all these content visualization, communication skill, creation skills will be increasing um, and more and more to roles that never needed to do it before and then we could outsource it. But now more and more roles will be requiring that skill. And of course, um, the need for social media platform navigation skills. This four broad category of skills is going to essentially increase um, and Many would think that digital skills will top the list for the future as in terms of the biggest shift. However, what came up tops in this research was actually human-centric skills. Right. It was the intensifying of human-centric skills that will be a greater need uh, than digital because more and more we are asked to actually effectively and synergistically work alongside technology Correct. and machines. And that's like going into the fifth industrial revolution where humans and machines, we have to work together to create greater value. And so the human-centric skills, like cognitive skills, right, where you have to have the skills to adapt really fast, the ability to learn, um, to be able to synthesize messages, be creative, and to keep doing lots of contextual problems, something will really increase. And the other set that was interesting of these human-centric skills was that it's predicted that self-leadership skills, not just leadership run for people, but self-leadership skills, um, skills like how do you be um, achievement-oriented? How do you become more, have more self-conviction? How do you take ownership of your development, your own emotional agility? This type of human-centric skills also is predicted to really increase and it's a need for people to actually thrive when we actually enter into the industrial revolution. Yeah. Right. It, it feels like the more digital and technologies advance, the more people need to connect internally with themselves and externally mm-hmm. with other people, right? Yeah. And more and more jobs, I mean, becomes an independent role. Right. Uh, you think about contingent workforce and people are just working on their own mm-hmm. in any part of the world for any job. So they, that need to actually be independent to be able to manage yourself mm-hmm. also becomes a really huge skill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And let's talk about, you know, what employers and employees can do. Uh, now, now that we know what skills to look at and they need to shift their skill sets at the same pace together with, you know, the swift demands in the workforce. So what can employers do to help their employees go beyond and learn more skills to build a future-proof workforce? Is, you know, L&D programs and training enough? Yeah, I actually think, like I said, a lot of employers are looking into it, focusing and willing to actually invest. Um, however, I actually believe that um, okay, HR and Melody, I believe we cannot solve the problem for the people as long as, as in we cannot be the solution providers. I think as is um, in the HR function, we're really struggling hmm. to get the workforce even up to par with the current skill sets because it's changed so much, right? And I think the shift also is going to happen that only the people themselves, individuals, can solve this um, this big shift that's happening. I believe that people need to figure out for themselves how skills, mindsets in their current roles and the future roles will look like and be able to cultivate that habit of self-learning and the self-exploration to get there. If we are going to rely on HR, I'm not saying that HR and LD is irrelevant, but however, if we're going to rely on HR or LD or the employers to diagnose the issues, analyze and then to plan and roll out all kinds of interventions. But what we will get is commonly what we call solutions for the masses, but yet it may not be individualized enough to cater for real needs. So the role of the employer, L&D or HR, really probably has to shift to becoming more of a catalyst, right? Mm-hmm. Over the last couple of years, right? Um, HR has evolved in many ways. Um, in the fact that you know, we're aligning the people development strategies to business transformation and to become a very strategic partner to the business, predicting what's going to happen. Um, to be able to align training programs, you know, all the interventions that you know you mentioned earlier on. Plus, more and more, I'll see that HR and LD teams today are also in the process of implementing lots of e-learning channels, mm. uh, learning calendars, basically making learning accessible to employees at their own time of need. Um, at their own pace so that they can learn and, and kind of develop themselves whenever they need that as well. Mm. However, I, I think moving forward, a lot more reverse engineering needs to take place. Maybe with HR together with the business and industry leaders, use data, research, and observe evolving trends to be able to simulate how new tech being disruptions being introduced would really alter the business trajectory so that we can look for more sustainable strategies. And so the rule, you know, of L&D, HR, uh, or employers, um, rather than just coming up with solutions, is to focus on being a catalyst, uh, where we can be the catalyst in organizations to create the mindset and attitude shifts, mm. um, a catalyst that can create the environment for safe learning and exploration, catalyst to maybe promote the culture of self-learning, um, and to come up with conditions and policies that encourages and rewards self-learning. And then to be the catalyst, just put in place enablers and tools for our workforce to be able to access self-driven learning and their own upskilling. That way, you know, um, that way individuals can own their own individual plans and development plans. And then it becomes a more sustainable strategy rather than waiting for employers or HR people to come up with that hmm. amazing blueprint you to develop. So let's empower people to be self so that they can sustain themselves. Mm, it's about empowering them, like giving incentives, rewards if they were to mm. embark on the, the self-learning journey, right? 
Yeah, so it's not just changing skills, like, is it right? Mm. It's the changing of the mindsets of our people so that they take charge of their own development. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like a lot, right? For employees, especially, uh, they have to juggle juggle a lot of things in order to keep themselves afloat, right? You have to juggle your actual job. You need to now juggle, you know, the the things that you need to learn in order to survive in the future and sustain, right? Shift and adapt, and they have their own life and their well being to juggle as well. So, how should individuals manage this effectively? Such a good question. Right? <laughs> um, I think more and more we are also saying that we need to um, help our people to be able to manage and balance their own portfolio. Um, we hear a lot of the term being burnt out uh, nowadays, right? Um, because I think with expectations rising, um, in the individual's ability to manage how much they take on themselves and how they prioritize things prioritize things also becomes a skill set that needs to be learned mm-hmm. um, if not learned and maybe coach as well um, I think individuals need to be very self-aware of their capacity and to be able to take on what they can do and do really well rather than take on a lot and then kind of do very shallow work with each um, thing and eventually leads to burnout or leads to dropping of the balls. Um, but I think, um, well, well, one thing you can think of is that there are tools to help people self-manage, mm-hmm. right? That you can use uh, wisely, things like Tableau and things that you can actually manage your calendars to see how much you have and to intentionally block out time for rest, to intentionally block up time for your own well-being and family. Mm. Um, and 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 then with the time that you have dedicated to work, you know, you, you kind of be very effective in it. Um, and so we have things whereby there's also coaching for people to help manage their time, manage how much they spend on the percentage of time they spend for themselves, their things that's important to them, and also their not work. So we'll see that the younger workforce, they are actually very uh, very. Ad- not say adapt, but they really know that they want certain things in life. And so they do do some nice cordoning of uh, things that is for their mental well-being and also for work. Um, the A lot of people caught in the middle section, I call it the middle um, tier of the organization, especially the mid-managers and managers. They are that group that really needs a lot more help because they come from a generation of very hardworking people yeah. where they just keep working, working and they don't know where to stop. And I think that's where a lot of coaching and help is required for the employees at the manager to senior manager level to be able to know um, how do you balance it so that they, they too can have their mental health uh, managed, uh, even their own personal homes mm. and, and, and lives are actually has that balance. Yeah. I guess the habitual burnout is <laughs> they left it in the, in the previous generations. No, um, no, it's moving forward, right? Let's close out the conversation with this question. Uh, what should companies and employees look out for in terms of future-proofing themselves and their business? I, I think, I mean, we covered the mental health area and I, I think there's another scary uh, reality that may come into place and that is the fact that as the pace of skill shifts happens more and more um, that we will start to see bigger disparities uh, with those who can catch up with all the shift that's happening and those who can't yeah. and and in that sense that we might face a big and even bigger gap in future just like you know how our country's poverty line has increased from B40 to B60 the skills gap um, level also probably would increase and, and I think it's not an organization issue only, but it's going to be a whole nationwide issue where we will have to figure out how to address those who are really left behind and 
um, in, in organizations, employers, I mean, it's constantly have to look how to become the catalyst for people to self-learn. But I would say that the, for this whole gap to and disparity to be resolved or addressed, mm. it's going to be a change in the entire education system from young, where we have to stop spoon-feeding and you've got to start to teach and enable the future generations to self-learn mm. or else we will be crippling the future generations. But that's a bigger much bigger can of worms to open. Um, and I think that's probably something that we just have to watch out for. Right. All right. Thank you so much, Hui Ming, for spending time with me this morning. Thank you, Lily. I've been speaking to Ang Hui Ming. She is the co-founder and growth and strategic initiatives leader at Leadernomics, talking to us about what shifting skills entails. If you miss any part of this conversation, as always, you can go ahead on our website at bfm.my or the BFM app that is available on the Apple App Store and Google Play to listen to the full conversation. I'm Lily Chai and this has been Raise Your Game here on BFM 89.9. listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.